I'd like to tell you the story of Caden, a young adult living in Texas. He told Texas lawmakers his story of seeking mental health. He said, I am a transgendered man. I came out for the first time at age 13, but growing up I knew something was different about me from the time of being a four or five year old girl. But when puberty hit my body and I started to change, I began to hate myself. I could feel there was something wrong with the way I looked. I didn't even know there was a word for what I was feeling until I did my research. That's when I realized I was transgendered. When I was 15, I met another trans person at my school and decided to finally come out to everyone. I told my assistant, he called my father and outed me without my permission. That day when I got home, we got in a huge fight that led to me being held down on my bed so I couldn't move while my father yelled at me. That day, I tried to kill myself again, and I went to the mental hospital four times in two months. By the time I was 17, I decided to start taking testosterone. Since then, my mental health has improved more than I've ever imagined. I was finally able to get off of my antidepressants and only to be on HDHD medications. I am and always will be a man. And when we say that gender isn't child abuse, we mean it. Without it, I would be dead. Thank you, Caden, for sharing your testimony of what it means to have gender-affirming care. I'm Larry Payne, your host of Tracks for the Journey, a program dedicated to your well-being. Controversy about transgendered youth and medical care has swirled across America for months. And so in this episode, what it means using psychology, politics, and theology. I believe transgender affirming care is an ethical and a moral imperative. The state of Texas has a new law banning gender-affirming treatment of transgendered youth. Several other states have similar laws now, but I think the facts about transgender transition and affirming care are not really understood by most people. In reality, gender-affirming care has helped thousands of youth establish their gender identity over the past several years. The treatment is prescribed for a recognized mental condition known as gender dysphoria. This condition, recognized for many years by the American Psychiatric Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, and the American Medical Association, means that a person is suffering acute distress living with their assigned natal gender identity. With Caden, she had female organs from birth, but since deeply she was more comfortable living a masculine lifestyle. Such strong and persistent negative emotional reaction to the assigned gender identity may be expressed in many different ways, such as role-playing, clothing, hairstyles, sports, or even disgust about sexual organs. This distress emerges from within the person's self-understanding during childhood and teenage years, and often results 
In conditions like social isolation, poor school performance, anxiety, depression, or suicidal thoughts. It is not the result of family patterns, reading library books, or watching social media influencers. As Caden testifies, her distress began when she was in elementary school with no apparent external factors at all. Treatment protocols for this condition have been in place for many years. They include teenagers receiving careful psychological evaluation and then hormone blockers under the care of a trained medical specialist. Just as this courageous young adult said, the effectiveness and benefit of gender-affirming care changed her life. This positive outcome of treatment has been documented by numerous medical studies, and tragically, the medical evidence and the positive testimony offered to legislators in Texas and across America has been ignored and harmful laws enacted. I believe these type of laws should shame caring people for several reasons. First, this law harms kids emotionally and physically. It conveys a toxic message of shame from the state. Now, we support schools which punish the bullies who shame and abuse innocent students. Yet the legal shame fostered by these type of laws will be far more damaging than a few snide comments from the classroom bully. Psychologically fragile kids struggling to define themselves at the most basic level are now further stigmatized by Big Brother. Parents who have given their best emotional support are overruled and sidelined in their care for their children. The best medical and psychological facts available today are ignored by these laws. I think this harmful type of law threatens to increase the number of suicides among transgendered teens, which are already higher than the average. Stigmatizing a psychological condition and forbidding effective treatment is exactly the opposite of how to care for transgendered kids and their families. More harm will come to transgender children from this movement than can be estimated today. Second, the laws are the result of a political agenda driven by cultural bias. A well-organized and funded agenda from right-wing strategists seized on the issue to gain political power. This effort is one of several to promote Christian nationalism, and that power play seeks to marginalize non-Christians, the LGBTIA community, BIPOC persons, and certain ethnic groups. Labeling transgender persons as deviant promotes this un-American agenda. American society now and must remain free from this. The rights of these human beings are enshrined in the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights, which states the incontestable truth, all human beings are born free and equal in human rights. Have we come to the place in our own nation where our laws ignore human rights that are affirmed across the globe? 
and instead imitate autocratic governments that squash fundamental freedoms, reject diversity, and criminalize those deemed unfit to build their empires. I don't think that's the America we want, and I'm sure it's not the America that I want. Thirdly, these laws are a gross act of abuse. They are the refusing of treatment to provide for a medical condition. Parents go to jail for neglect when they do not seek medical treatment for their child. And isn't this law a cruel act of neglect in the very same way that seeks to deny effective treatment when a child is in acute distress from gender dysphoria? To make it worse, the state has mobilized government agencies to investigate and charge parents and medical professionals who are seeking to act in the best interest of the children. Families have fled these states to avoid such injustice. These parents did not start out to create a transgender child. They have only the best interest to provide treatment for their child that is struggling in the deepest levels emotionally. This ban makes the state nothing short of an accessory to abuse. Finally, I believe this law is a betrayal of spiritual values. Christian teaching is clear that God import, imparts to every person a fundamental capacity to determine their fate. When this freedom of conscience is abridged by the state for no crime against society, then the dignity of that person is dismissed completely. The work to understand and adjust to one's gender identity is a journey of authenticity that is pleasing to God. Jesus affirmed that each of us should love ourself as a foundation for life. That's in Mark 12, 31. To make illegal or immoral the quest for teenagers to know their truth of their own personhood is an act of deep injustice that cannot be squared with the universal love of God for each individual. Considering the words of the creation narrative that says, quote, male and female created them, end quote, some have misunderstood those words as an absolute proclamation of gender identities rather than a metaphorical description rooted in a pre-scientific society. The reality is that gender identity is not a simple binary based on sexual organs, but instead a mental sense of who one is in their culture and the behavior of their lives. I think we should note that Jesus accepted to the kingdom of heaven those who were eunuchs by nature or choice, which are non-transgendered conditions. You can find that in Matthew chapter 19, verse 12. Turning to the merciful truth of a beloved hymn sung in many Christian churches is the truth of just as I am focused on one's genitals or one's soul. I started with a story and I'd like to end with one also. Nikki Hiltz is a elite pro athlete in contention for Olympic gold as, an, as a runner. Born female, 
She recalls making the wish on her sixth birthday that she would wake up as a boy the next morning. Her gender identity struggle continued as she grew into adulthood and became a world-class runner. After serious surgery for an athletic injury and weeks of recovery, she had time to reflect on all of these issues, and she took a bold step to clarify the way she felt, coming out as a non-binary, transgendered competitor and telling the emotional certainty that brought to her after that declaration a new level of success. As, as Frankie Della Cortez wrote in Runner's World magazine, so much is asked of trailblazers. Hiltz's very existence requires them to hold many things at once, an athlete and an advocate, existing both within and without gender binary, a self-identified king racing in the women's division. There is joy in crossing the finish line as the first person doing so in a body like theirs. For many reasons, I believe banning gender-affirming treatment offered by effective, well-established medical and psychological practices is a tragic state-sponsored abuse of transgendered youth and their families. I support every effort to overturn this toxic law for the good of children who need treatment, not stigmatizing. Please join me in extending the love of God and basic human rights to every transgendered youth, young people who are seeking to know their identity in an authentic journey of well-being. Thanks for sharing this episode with me today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tracks for the Journey. Please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast, and that will help me to spread the message. I certainly do want to expand this work, so your financial support is appreciated also. You can give a small gift through the website buymeacoffee.com slash Payne, and that will further the work. If you want more information about my work, you can open my website, tracksforthejourney.com. From this website, you can link to and listen to any of the more than 50 episodes on a huge variety of subjects. Links to transcripts of every broadcast can be found there also. I welcome you to share any feedback you have on the Tracks for the Journey Facebook page, or just mail me directly at trackspodcast at mail.com. Tracks for the Journey is produced at the Bright Star Studio, all rights reserved. Hosting is by buzzsprout.com. Music and images are from pixabay.com. Keep exploring on your journey to well-being.